Hi, I'm Lynette White. Hi, I'm Dr. Renee Bryan. And we are your hosts for the Ed Branding Podcast. Which is all about amplifying connections, voices, and stories and education. And if you haven't already, follow the and download the Ed Branding Podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you know when our episodes drop. We also have the Ed Branding channel on YouTube, so please hit like and subscribe. And today we are super excited to have Stephen M. R. Covey on uh, the Ed Branding Podcast. He is the New York Times and number one Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The Speed of Trust, which has been translated into 26 languages and sold over 2 million copies worldwide. He is also the author of the newly released bestseller, Trust and Inspire, How Truly Great Leaders Unleash Greatness in Others which was just named as the number one leadership book of 2022 by the Outstanding Works of Literature Awards. Stephen brings to his writings the perspective of a practitioner as he is the former president and CEO of the Covey Leadership Center, where he increased shareholder value by 67 times and grew the company to become the largest leadership development firm in the world. A Harvard MBA, Stephen co-founded and currently leads Franklin Covey's Global Speed of Trust practice. He serves on numerous boards, including the Government Leadership Advisory Council, and has been recognized with the Lifetime Achievement Award for Top Thought Leaders in Trust, from trust across America, trust around the world. Stephen is a highly sought after international speaker who has taught trust and leadership in 58 countries to business, government, military, education, healthcare, and NGO entities. Please welcome Mr. Stephen M. R. Covey. We are thrilled to start this conversation with him today. Ah, we're so excited to have you here with us. What a treat. Thank you so much for giving us time. It is a great honor to have you here with us today. As I was researching and preparing for this conversation, I pulled my Covey books off the shelf and the first... (laughs) Covey book I read was actually given to me by Corona Norco Unified School District as a part of their weekend training on the seven habits of highly effective people and it included this gorgeous gold inbound green workbook binder. I don't know if you remember those. And I reviewed it, my highlights, and just all these memories came flooding back to me. I flipped through your 2006 book, The Speed of Trust, The One Thing That Changes Everything, that was also given to me as a site leader in CNUSD. And I have to admit that not not all my books are highlighted and tabbed from beginning to end. They are not, but that one is. And the Covey leadership legacy and brand has influenced so many leaderships, including my own. I am absolutely thrilled. We are absolutely thrilled to have you here this morning with us. There is a small part of me that feels like, oh, there's no need to introduce you. You are, Your <laughs> name speaks for itself. Um, and then I have to remind myself that, okay, we do have some scholars. We have some family, some caregivers. We have board members, business partners, um, and a whole diverse group of people at our Ed Branding podcast audience um, that, you know, there may be two that haven't heard of you. So for those two people that may not be familiar with your work, will you please introduce yourself to the Ed Branding podcast audience? Okay, well, wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Bryant. Thank you, Lynette. I'm truly honored, delighted to be here with you today on this Ed Branding Podcast. So I'm Stephen M. R. Covey. And as you mentioned, I'm the author of The Speed of Trust and a new book called Trust and Inspire. And I'm part of, uh, my my father is Dr. Stephen R. Covey. 
uh, who wrote the seven habits of highly effective people that you mentioned. And I do remember those green binders, you know, as part of the workbooks that that we that we would pass out as part of the training. And uh, and so I'm the former uh, CEO of the Covey Leadership Center, uh, which uh, we really grew to become, uh, you know, a global brand around leadership and leadership development. And and now my work has kind of shifted from me being an operator, where I was kind of building the business, growing the business to where I then moved more into a role similar to what my father played, and that is as a thought leader. And that's where I wrote uh, The Speed of Trust and Trust and Inspire. And now I spend most of my time uh, doing uh, presentations and, and presenting and consulting and working with client organizations all around the world. I presented now in some 58 countries and and uh, on-site, in-person, and, and love doing this work that focuses on leadership and on trust. And and so really honored to be here with you because I've done a lot of work also in the education space, which is very important to me and, and uh, has, has always been, but especially now with this new Trust Inspire book. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, thank you so much. And I'm going to put it in front of my face so everyone can see it. Here it is. Here is the brand new book. Make sure you get this book. So amazing. Well, thank you. Thank yes, you, definitely. Yeah. So we in Banning USD are doing a book study on Trust and Inspire. And that's kind of what led us to this whole podcast interview. Um, my superintendent posted about it. You commented on it. Um, and then I replied to you and invited you on the podcast. And thankfully, you said yes. So we're so excited <laughs> that you're here. That's um, how it so works. Steve, that's I appreciate the invitation. <laughs> you see, everyone? Social media does work. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you the same question that we ask everyone who's on the podcast. Renee's brand is connection. My brand is tell your story. And uh, in one word or short phrase, what would you say your brand is and why? Okay. I would say in one word, I would say that my brand is trust. And it's really what I felt called to focus on felt inspired to focus on. I felt like I had a, a contribution to make in this arena because I I saw firsthand when trust was low and the cost of that, what I call the high cost of low trust. I've also seen when trust is high and the great dividends that flow from that, the great energy and joy and creativity and innovation and passion and inspiration that comes from high trust. I've seen how trust changes everything in a relationship or on a team and an organization in a culture. And, and so I saw how trust mattered enormously is impacting everything. And yet not enough was being done on, on how to build this trust, how to grow it, how to create it intentionally on purpose. And, and so I kind of looked at this and I said, trust matters. And trust is learnable and we're not doing enough about it. So we've got to focus on this. And I kind of felt inspired to say, I'm going to focus on trust. And that's when I came out with the speed of trust. And then, um, and now this new trust and inspire book. And so in a word, I would say my brand is trust. If I could use um, two phrases, the speed of trust is a phrase because that's not on the name of the book. It's an idea that, Nothing is as fast as the speed of trust. 
that when you get trust in a relationship, on a team, in a culture, you move fast, low cost, you know. And so nothing is as fast as the speed of trust. And then in a in another phrase, it would be trust and inspire. And it's, that's both the verbs, trust, to trust and to inspire. You know, that trusting and inspiring others is the kind of leadership that is needed today that people respond to. I like to say this, that people don't want to be managed. People want to be led. They want to be trusted and they want to be inspired. So trust and inspire is my phrase to capture that. So those are two phrases, the speed of trust, trust and inspire. But if I were to, if you'd say, if you'd say to me, put your, put your brand in a word, my word is trust. Love that. Love that. It's that purpose, their core values. Love it so much. Okay. And that leads me to the next question. So we say that the most important thing in education are the three R's, not the three R's that people think of, but relationships, 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 right? And we know that the years of research and education, it cites trust as being the key factor for strong relationships in educational settings. So why do you think your new book, Trust and Inspire, How Truly Great Leaders Unleash Greatness in Others, is resonating so much with educators all over the nation right now? I think it is for the very reason that you just mentioned, that this trust is really foundational to the relationships that make education work and to the relationship between a principal and his or her teachers, to the relationship between the teachers and their students and the teachers and the parents, to the relationship between a superintendent and a principal. Trust is the currency that makes all of this work, makes our world go around. And so you're exactly right on how trust is central to relationships. In fact, I would say this, that that the very definition of a bad relationship is low trust when there's no low trust there. And, and, but trust really changes everything in a relationship and on a team and in a culture. And I think the reason this new book, Trust and Inspire, is resonating so much is that it's speaking to the fact that in education, our world has changed so dramatically in the last few years with all that's going on and has gone on, including what's happening in society at large and the nature of the workplace changing, where suddenly there's work from home, work from anywhere options for people. The nature of the workforce is changing with younger generations, Gen Z and others that have different expectations of how they want to be engaged and led. And suddenly people have choices and options to, you know, I can live here, work there. And so attracting, retaining, engaging and inspiring um, the top talent, the best people, great teachers, great administrators, great leaders, great staff members, in education has never been more important than it is today, and yet never more challenging when they, people have so many choices and options. And so how we lead matters. And I like to say that the old way of leading that might have worked in the past in a different time and place, I call that command and control. And even the best version of it, what I would call an enlightened command and control, that that doesn't work very well in this new world of education today where where there's such burnout and so many challenges and people leaving we need a new way to lead in a new world and i suggest rather than command and control it's 
trust and inspire because of what it does to people, how it, how it breathes life into relationships, into teams, into cultures, how it sees the best in others, how it unleashes the greatness that's inside of people, you know, versus trying to micromanage them. And we've had too much of the lad of that micromanagement of the command and control and not enough of, of trusting and inspiring those that we're leading. And so I think it's resonating because it helps us keep our people, not just keep them, but to, to, uh, and retain them, to engage them, to inspire them, and to bring out the best in them. And they have so much to give. And the old model doesn't bring out the best in others. The new model, Trust and Inspire, does and can. And so people respond to it and they resonate with it. That's why I think it's connecting with people is that if, because with all the challenges we have today, if we kind of just work harder in the old model of leadership, double down on it, and on our command and control, what's going to happen is we'll just burn people out faster and drive them out of the profession faster because it's an inaccurate, incomplete map of the territory of people, of leadership. We need a new map, a more accurate map of people and of leadership. Trust and inspire is more complete, more expansive, more relevant of how to view people, how to view leadership than a command and control map or paradigm of how to view people, how to view leadership. So it's a, it's an accurate map of leadership that then enables us to bring out the greatness that's inside of everyone. We, we clearly want to do it with our students, our scholars, right? We want to bring out the greatness in them. The way to do this with our students is because we first do it with our own people, with our teachers, with our staff, with our fellow administrators. And by unleashing the greatness there, we can ultimately can unleash the greatness in our students, which is what we all want. So I think Trust and Inspire helps us achieve this today better than anything, any other approach to leadership. And I totally agree. The conversations that we have in our, so we start off our principal meetings with Trust and Inspire, and we have a whole conversation uh, based around it. Our superintendent is great at having um, some great uh, questions that he asks us, and then we break off into smaller groups so we can discuss it a little bit further. And I would say trust and inspire besides, um, you know, inspiring me and the group professionally. There's a lot that can be said uh, for your personal life as well. Like it transcends both. So it can be used in both realms. Uh, I can see how it can be used across all kinds of different um, industries as well. Um, but we're really enjoying enjoying diving into this book. It has been incredible for our team. Uh, and that thought of command and control and trust and inspire, we ask ourselves that question a lot now. <laughs> and so I think it's just been really thought provoking for the team. So it's been great. That's thrilling um, to hear, Lynette. Just really mm -hmm. thrilling to hear that it's practical and application. And I agree with you. It applies not to, just to our work in our schools, but in our personal life, in our family life, in our community life. I like to put it this way. The key to becoming a trust and inspire leader is to first become a trust and inspire person. Yes. Really is inside yes. Out. Totally agree with that. Okay. So you personally led the strategy that propelled your father's book, Dr. Stephen R. Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People to become one of the two most influential business books of the 20th century, according to CEO Magazine. You are very intentional with the Covey name as a brand. How do you see the use of branding and social media as an integral part of leadership work? 
Yes. Um, I am intentional. And, and let me say this for me and my name, Stephen M. R. Covey, being the son of Dr. Stephen R. Covey, I feel a sense of, of stewardship to that name, to that legacy, because of what my father stood for, his brand, which would probably, if I could use maybe what was his brand, I would maybe say his brand would be principal centered leadership. And he always focused on principles. And then he would focus on leadership that everyone was a leader. So seven habits was a seven habits of highly effective people was kind of a personal leadership approach that each of us can be a, the leader of our life, of our own life. And, and, um, and, and so principles and leadership was probably his brand principle centered leadership. And so I feel like I'm building, I'm, I'm standing on the shoulders of a giant and I'm building upon that. And I feel a sense of, of uh, humility and gratitude, but also stewardship to be true to that legacy. And so, so I'm trying to build upon that staying focused on principles. And so all the work I've done on trust, the speed of trust, trust and inspire is all principle based as opposed to, you know, fads or practices that might come in and out. Principles are enduring. They're timeless. They cross cultures and time and, and, you know, they'll always matter, you know, a year from now and 30 years from now and a hundred years from now. And so, so I'm trying to focus on principles. A second part of this brand is the idea that, that we, we build trust. We, we do leadership. We do anything best from the inside out, meaning that we always look in the mirror and start with ourselves. And then we ripple out from there, kind of the, the drop of water comes down, the ripples, the waves, they start at the inside, they ripple out. That idea that leadership is an inside out process, trust, the building of trust is an inside out process, starting with ourselves. And the, that's empowering for each of us because we don't have to wait on anybody else. I'm pointing the finger and saying, hey, we can't build trust around here until our superintendent changes or until our principal changes or until the parents change. You know, that's outside in. That's waiting on others. Inside out is what can I do to build trust in my relationships, on my team, in my classroom, with my teacher, with my principal? You know, so I'm, I'm going inside out. I'm starting with myself. That's very empowering. So the idea of principles, and working from the inside out. And then I feel like the natural extension of this leadership brand is to say that trust is the currency of leadership. It makes it all work. And so I think that the combination of these things is really what I'm trying to extend the Covey brand into from principle-centered leadership to still use that as the base and then to say, and the kind of leadership that works best today is this whole idea of trust and inspire that people don't want to be managed. They want to be led. They want to be trusted. They want to be inspired and doing so not only inspires them, it brings out the best in them and there's greatness in everyone. And our job as leaders is to unleash that greatness, not to try to contain or control it. Well, goodness. I mean, so so, so, so 
eloquently said and so applicable to our educational settings. So when I, last night, you know, I told you I was going through like a little, like, I remember going, I think I didn't say this earlier, but I remember going to the mall. That's how dedicated I was. I would go to the mall and I would go to the Kofi store and I would buy those shrink wrapped, you know, calendar inserts where you prioritize your day and, um, and my weekly compass with my big rocks. And so, I mean, I just feel like, uh, your work, your family's work have, has definitely, I know, affected my leadership journey, so many other leaders' journey. And again, as I was looking through that Speed of Trust book and I was rereading my highlights and rereading my notes in the side, you know, my principal had given it to me at the side at the time. And I started thinking like, this is a perfect book. Like, how can he build on this? How can it be any better? Right. And so I wonder like what inspired you 16 years later, right? I had to go to, when was this published? Okay. 2006. Okay. You know, 16 years later, 17 years later, you know, what made you decide to give us this great piece of work? What made you decide to um, publish Trust and Inspire, write and publish it? Yeah. I, uh, it's a great question. Dr. Brian, and here's kind of my thinking was, um, I looked at the the gap between um, our current kind of performance and our potential in any organization and felt like there's a huge gap there. I like how Mahatma Gandhi said, he said, the difference between what we are doing and what we are capable of doing would solve most of the world's problems. We have so much more inside of us and people have so much more. And my father used to always do workshops and I did some together with him before he passed away where he would ask people, how how many of you agree that the vast majority of the workforce in your organization, in your educational institution have far more talent, skill, expertise, knowledge, insight, energy, capacity, to give than their current job either requires or even allows them to contribute. In other words, how many have a lot more to give? And almost every hand would go up. And yet, how many today are needing to do more with less? And almost every hand would go up. So here we are. We got it. There's more pressure than ever before to perform. And yet we have all this capacity, all this ingenuity, creativity, talent that's not being utilized. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> you know, that's a leadership gap. We've got to close that gap. We've got to unleash the greatness that's inside of people and apply it to improving every aspect of our of our uh, of our world and of our life and of our institutions. And and so that's a leadership challenge. And so that that's what is the charge of the way that we're leading is not tapping into all of the greatness that's inside of people. We're not seeing it enough. We're not communicating the greatness enough to others so that they come to see it in themselves. We're not developing it enough and we're not unleashing it. See the potential, communicate the potential, develop the potential, unleash the potential. That's what leadership is. And so we've got to, we've got to lead in a different way. And the old way of doing it, the command and control way, you know, heavy, heavy compliance base. I'm not against compliance, but commitment is a higher standard that includes compliance, but so much more. Tapping into that greatness, seeing that greatness, that's where we've got to go so, so that we can truly um, become who we're capable of becoming and close the gap between our performance and our potential. 
make them more aligned. And we got to lead in a new way. And so I became clear that our challenge is one of a, is a leadership challenge. And the way that we've been leading in the past is not going to work with the younger generations. It's not going to work where people have a lot of choices and options. And if they don't feel trusted and inspired, they're going to leave and go elsewhere. They'll leave their profession. It's not going to work where people feel so burned out and they've got to have life breathed into them. That's the word inspire comes from the Latin inspirare, which means to breathe life into. So trust and inspire, see, breathes life into relationships, into teams, into cultures, into schools, into districts, whereas command and control tends to suck the life out of. You know, trust and inspire, we do this with each other. It's not doing it to each other or even for each other. It's not transactional. It's transformational. We're doing it with each other. That creates energy. That's exciting. I just was with a school district in Southern California, Westminster School District. And and um, and I'll just give you this as an illustration of doing this with people. This was uh, Dr. Gun Marie um, Hansen. She's the superintendent, amazing leader. And she was building, she was brought in to help build a strategic plan for the district. And they did build it. They called it WSD Inspires. You know, Westminster School District Inspires. WSD Inspires. But how she did this was the key piece. She didn't just kind of go, you know, she's an expert in this. She's done it other times before in other districts. She could have just come in and really over a week written the strategic plan. But that would not have involved people. And therefore, they would not have been committed to it. What she did, she came in and involved the entire community over a five-month period with multiple stakeholders, getting involvement, getting input, getting feedback, getting ideas, tapping into this, and then crafting this and organizing this and getting feedback again and you know reiterating time and again, such that when this launched five months into it, instead of a week, so she didn't go for efficiency, she went for effectiveness. And she did this with the community, with the teachers, with the principals. And when it launched, there's a commitment, there's a buy-in to this. And that's what Trust and Inspire is. It's it's what, what I can do with you, not what I can do for you or even or to you. You know, that's transactional. What I can do with you is transformational. And so I, you know, this is the kind of leadership that is going to unleash the greatness that's inside of all of our people all of our teachers, all of our leaders, staff members, and then in turn, we'll release the greatness inside of our students. What a great example. And I want to say that because I follow her on social media, I'm from Westminster before coming to Anaheim Union. I have watched that journey because she does uh, chronicle it on social media. And it's been fun to see how they don't just put it on a shelf, but they're actually every month recognizing people who are, you know, living those values that they put forth in their plan. So congratulations on being a part of that. That's so amazing. And she is such an incredible leader. Absolutely. Yeah. So since we're talking about strengthening brands uh, as Westminster is doing, I know Anaheim Union and Banning are always trying to do that as well. Um, Excuse me. You have an MBA from Harvard and a lifetime of business success. What do you advise as the key factors for a successful brand? Yes. 
I think a brand needs to stand for something. That there's a brand promise. And, and the brand promise is meaningful. It's important. It matters. There's significance tied to it. And, and um, now it can't artificially you know, be that. It needs to be aligned with who you are, what you're about. But you have a brand promise. And then you do your very best to deliver on that brand promise. So you make a you make a promise, a brand promise of here's who we are, what we're about. This is a exciting or a significant or a meaningful brand promise, and then we deliver on that brand promise. And the combination of making a promise, delivering on the promise, builds brand equity. And brand equity is trust. If you think about it, it's trust with the consumer, it's trust with the stakeholder, with the parent, with the community. We stand for something and we do our best to deliver on what we stand for. We try to do what we say we're going to do. We try to be who we say that we are. And you know, and that doesn't mean we're perfect, but we're striving for it. And I think that 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 in a sense it's almost that simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> That you stand for something, you have a brand promise, you deliver on the brand promise, you build brand equity, you build trust. And, and uh, so that those to me are the key elements in building a brand. And, and so, you know, I try to do a similar thing with the, the Covey brand. We stand for principles and leadership and for trust. And that's meaningful because this kind of approach can make a profound difference, both for individuals as well as for organizations and, and schools and and um, and teams, and then we try to help deliver on that by giving tools, and ideas, and principles, and approaches of how we become better at that. And if we do deliver on it, then that builds more trust that we have something of value to say. So that's certainly what we're striving to do. So those are the elements to me: a brand promise, you deliver on the brand promise, you build brand equity, you build trust. Uh, thank you. So this next question, I really want to take this like 100,000 foot view, you know, okay. uh, you're so successful. You have traveled to many countries, educating people on leadership. And I just wonder, as we work dil diligently in education to empower our scholars with leadership skills that they need um, as a highly successful author, entrepreneur, uh, legacy leader, um, what do you see as the skills that educators should be focusing on in building the capacity of our scholars? Beautiful. Uh, first of all, let me say this. I love that you use the term scholars <laughs> because uh, you're you're treating people according to their potential. And, and uh, when you do that, when you treat people according to their potential, they rise to the occasion. They perform that. If you treat them down to their behavior, they often tend to live down to that. And so saying, hey, our students, you're scholars. That's giving them a vision of who they are, who they can be, what they can become. You're seeing the greatness in them. You're scholars. And you're treating them according to their potential, not necessarily according to their behavior. And they tend to live up to it. So I love your very phrase. <laughs> You know, so what does this do for our scholars? In fact, I was just with um, uh, Columbia Public Schools in uh, in Columbia, Missouri, and Dr. Brian Yearwood, the superintendent, and their whole thing. They 
they use the phrase scholars first. And, you know, that's their way of saying students first, but they start with the idea we are scholars. So just love the phrase scholars first. So to me, I think if our scholars can walk away with, um, I'm going to say three key things that we try to, to, to help teach, to help instill, to help bring out in them. I think in a sense, it's already in them. We're trying to help them discover it and bring it out. And, and the, and the first is an overarching sense of, of, of who I am as a, as a person, as a scholar, that I am the leader of my life. Am I, that, you know, to unleash the leader inside of each child. At Franklin Covey, we have this, this school program we call the leader in me is trying to see the leader inside of every child and unleash that leader, bring it out, but it's in them. And, and, uh, and we're trying to help them see it and become that leader. So then they feel a sense of responsibility for their life. They are the creative force of their life and to have that vision and that they can do it and become that, I think is an important thing. And so to, 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 to basically help each child see the leader inside of them and become that leader. Each scholar become that leader. That's the first. The second, if I think if we can help teach our, our, our scholars to be able to also um, gain the ability to have, to, to gain understanding and empathy for other people and other perspectives and viewpoints so they that so that they can listen and not necessarily agree with something they might not agree but they can seek to understand something they can seek to understand another person or another viewpoint and that they have that capacity that ability to do that and and um we need more of this in our society we need more of this in our world the ability to to understand and have empathy for others. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean that we agree or disagree, but it's just that we understand. We need to teach that. And also finally, the third is that also that we need to then have the ability to use good critical thinking, have good judgment to be able to assess and weigh the different perspectives, different viewpoints, so that we're not just biased towards one direction, but we have the ability to stand back with understanding and make critical judgments, nuanced judgments, have that capacity to, to see that um, um, and to make judgments and decisions um, from you know all things considered, all perspectives. I learned this from my daughter, a McKinley Covey, She's a school teacher. She also helped me write Trust and Inspire. Notice on her name on the book. She's one of my co-authors. And she's a great teacher. She teaches uh, German and English at a high school, a public school. And that's why Trust and Inspire has such an education bent to it because I had a co-author that's an educator <laughs> day in and day out. And, and she's amazing. And she always says she always tries to make sure her students have the ability to understand and the ability to critically think. And if they can walk out with those two skills, they'll be ready to take on all kinds of things that happen in life and be able to contribute enormously 
to live both productive lives, but also to contribute to our society. We need this in our world today. And our scholars can become the catalyst to help bring about a better world. Love that so much because it transcends all the jobs, right? These are soft, they call them soft skills, but these are the hard skills. These are the things that they need for sure. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for this amazing interview, uh, Mr. Covey. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Just say this, that that, um, becoming a trusted, inspired leader is a journey. You know, it's not kind of that we're just there already, you know, overnight. I also think that we're all on the journey of becoming trust inspired. I think our intent is to be a trust inspired leader. I don't think anyone goes in and says, I want to be a command and control micromanager. <laughs> you know, that's not our intent, but sometimes, sometimes our style gets in the way of our intent. <laughs> And and um and so I, I'm I'm about helping us align our style with our intent, but I believe most of us have the intent to lead with trust, to lead with inspiration. Trust and inspire is a, a style of leadership that most of us would want to be, not a micromanaging command and control manager type of thing. So I think that that's um that's our intent. We want to make sure that our style does not get in the way of our intent. I think it's a journey to become trust and inspire. I think we're all on the journey. And I would just say that the key to me to accelerating the journey is to start with our with our paradigm of how we view people and how we view leadership. And, and so if I could just say, share what I believe is a trust and inspire paradigm, which a paradigm comes from the Greek paradigma, which means a mental map or model and see, a, a map may not accurately represent the territory. I mean, think of the early, early cartographers back in the old days when they would draw maps of the Americas, you know, and you kind of see the Americas in those early maps, but you can see that they're not accurate completely, but they did the best they could at the time with what the knowledge that they had. So those maps were not quite accurate or complete. And oftentimes we have a map or a paradigm of people and a leadership that is not quite accurate or complete. So if we can have a more accurate and complete map, a more expansive map of people and of leadership, that will help us become better trust-inspired leaders. So here's five fundamental beliefs of a trust-inspired leader. These beliefs collectively comprise a more accurate paradigm. I'll just quickly go through them. First, I believe that people have greatness inside of them. Oh, my job as a leader is to unleash their potential, not control them. I see the greatness in others. Second, I believe that people are whole people, meaning body, heart, mind, spirit. So if I buy that belief, my job as a leader is to inspire, not merely motivate. If people only were economic beings, just the body, motivation would be sufficient. But they also have a heart, a mind, a spirit. They, wanna, they want to care. They want to grow. They want to contribute. And so inspiring is better than merely motivating. That's how I view people, hold people with greatness. How do I view leadership? That's the next three. Third, I believe that there is enough for everyone. That's an abundance mentality. So my job as a leader is to elevate caring above competing. Yes, let's compete against standards. Let's compete against ourselves, but let's care and collaborate with each other in the workplace, in our schools. Fourth, I believe that leadership is 
stewardship. It's about responsibility, not rights, influence, not position. So my job as a leader is to put service above self-interest. Seek to bless, not to impress. Finally, fifth, I believe that enduring influence is created from the inside out. So my job as a leader is to go first. Someone needs to go first. Leaders go first. So those last three is a more complete view of leadership, a better map, better paradigm. So I believe this paradigm of leadership and of people is a better way to lead from, it's more accurate, more complete, more expansive. And when we see people this way and see leadership this way, we will truly bring out and unleash the greatness in those that we lead. And so, but it starts with the paradigm. That's the shift we need to make. Thank you for letting me share that idea with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. We know how valuable it is. And thank you for blessing us with the service to our listeners. And we're so excited for them to hear and learn from you. Thank another masterclass, as we say. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Brandt. Thank you, Lynette. I'm really honored to have been on your Ed Branding podcast. And thank you to all our listeners and viewers. Ah, Lynette. Oh. I'm definitely nerding out right now. Super, super. Thank you so much. And thanks to Superintendent Davis, because if he wouldn't have posted that initial one, then you would reply. So there's all this ripple effect on social media. Get that? Did everyone listen to that? That part, Lanessa, it all happened via social media, these connections. So thank you so much. And thank you. Uh, thank you, Banning. Thank you, Terrence. <laughs> super, super. I'm, I'm giddy right now. I'm so excited. So, um, wow. Okay. So what really resonated with me, I mean, like every single word he said, right. I'm going to go back and listen 10 times and review all my notes. Uh, but you know, just thinking about education, right? So even in the classroom, there's not a, a command and control, um, you know, just the way education is set up. It's so compliance based, so much command and control. So I'm just so excited for so many administrators to get this book, to share it with their staff members, do book studies like Bounding is, you know, with their teachers and hopefully, you know, uh, using this philosophy with our scholars too, to trust and inspire. It's not just for adults, right? Right. So uh, what what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time with him. Lynette, what resonated with you? It was just awesome. Like I always say, it was an awesome interview. Um, your research and your questions were on point. Like this is one of our bigger guests. I don't want to say biggest because I know we also just had Michael Fullen on and he's incredible, too. Um, but uh, the questions that you that you ask, like that research takes a lot of time. And so, you know, I thank you for doing that research and getting these uh, amazing questions, which lead to great conversation. Um, I know he mentioned the challenge of, uh, you know, looking into your staff to see what greatness can be unleashed. And I do have to say, you know, our superintendent here in Banning, Terrence Davis, um, he he gave us that challenge, especially to the principals, like see on your site what greatness can be unleashed. Um, and I, I do think this is a book that people should definitely uh, be looking at with their teams, be studying with their teams, discussing with their teams. The conversations that have 
blossomed from these uh, from these readings that we've done have just been incredible. And I feel like our team is uniting more and more every time we have a new conversation. Um, so yeah, just a great, same as you, I, I want to hear it again because I was writing notes, but I'm like, I feel like I didn't fully get everything because I was trying to be present in the moment too. Um, but like we mentioned, social media, like thank you, Terrence, for posting. Um, I remember I screenshot it to you and I was like, should I ask him to be on the podcast? And you were like, yeah, what's the worst he could say? No. So I was like, okay, I'll just ask. And then, you know, he says, yes, he DMs me and connects me to his assistant. Like these are the connections that would have never happened. We wouldn't have had access to Stephen Covey uh, otherwise as easily, right? Um, so yeah, social media guys, that's what Renee and I talk about all the time. <laughs> Right. Okay. And I cannot let this go without saying a shout out to Dr. Candace Singh, uh, former superintendent at Fallbrook, leader for the ASA, aspiring superintendent academy for female leaders. I could add 10 more things after her name, but shout out to her for partnering with the Association for California School Administrators, AXA, and doing a book study with Trust and Inspire, where uh, Covey's, they actually sent this out to every single person for free. This book, I'm gonna show you again, this book, it's in front of my face right now. Uh, they sent it to everyone um, who signed up for that book study uh, to be a part of it. So just kudos uh, for them. I mean, he talked a lot about his brand, right? And the stewardship and really um, that is putting the money where the mouth is, right? Like really investing in educators so they can invest and their people and their people can invest in their scholars. So uh, just huge, huge, huge shout out to them once again. It was just amazing. Uh, so I said this, uh, I keep saying it, it's true. If you haven't already followed us, downloaded the podcast, I don't know what's going to convince you because this is this is the ultimate masterclass here. So please do that. Go to YouTube, like and subscribe the Ed Branding Podcast. And Lynette, you, you are just doing such great work. I know Palo Alto is one of your clients now. You're just really amplifying uh, their profile on social media. Tell us what you're doing with Connected. Yes. So Connected is a partnership with myself, Chris Goki, Robert Lopez. Um, People know them from Calsa, and we're just helping districts tell their story. We're helping amplify the amazing things that are going on in public education. As Renee always stresses, public education is awesome. And so we're helping districts tell their story. And if your district needs some help, please contact us. Our info will be in the show notes. Hey, and thank you for listening.